Thanks for being here tonight. Um, sure love you guys. My name is Levi. I'm one of the pastors on the team here. It's good to see you guys. Always happy to be with my CA students family. And what we're going to do right now is it's time to come to God's word. We do this every week. And ultimately, this is, this is why we're here. We're here to worship God, to give him praise. And, and then we're here to come to his word so that he can speak to us, to guide us, comfort us, correct us, strengthen us for the life that he's called us to live. Amen. And so that's what we're going to spend some time doing tonight. Uh, we're finishing up a series that we've been in called Truth and Love. And the big idea of this series is that you can't truly love someone unless you're rooted in truth. And as we in speak truth to people, we do that with an art, well, a heart and an attitude of love. And so love is, it's not just a feeling, it's truly desiring and sacrificing for another person's good. And, and if you want to truly love, you need to love truth. And, and here's, here's, what I'm, here's what's coming to mind. So far in this series, CA students, we've talked a lot about having conversations of truth and love with people with very different worldviews than us, that believe very different things, that may not believe in God, may not believe in the Bible, or believe that it's God's word, right? And so it makes sense that what they believe is truth and we believe is truth might clash and that can feel unloving. And, it's, it's, and so it's been a very worthy thing that we've talked through. But what I want to talk about tonight is what about when you have the exact same worldview as someone and you still find yourself being hurt by them? What about when it's a brother or sister in Christ or a brother or sister in your family or, or a teacher or a coach or a parent and, and you're, you find yourself hurt, Right? What about when uh, a joke is said in, in a group and you feel like you're the butt of the joke? How do you respond to that in truth and love? What about when, you're, when you see a post and your friends are hanging out and, wait a second, why wasn't I a part of that? How do we respond to that in truth and love? You see, when, when feelings get hurt, it's easy to either to go to one of two sides, to either go to silence where you just kind of just bury it and you act like nothing's wrong or you give people the cold shoulder, or you don't just go to silence, you go to violence, right? Whether that's passive aggression or just classic aggressive aggression, right? Where you're yelling and kind of like trying to win the argument or make them feel bad because they made you feel bad, right? It's easy to swing to silence or to violence. But is there another way? Is there a way to instead respond in truth and in love? To not swing to silence by just not saying anything and bottling it all up, but also not swing all the way to violence by, by instead speaking the truth in love, not in sarcasm or anger. And that's a leading question. Yes, there is a way, right? And so we're going to come to God's word because ultimately I nor any other pastor on the team has like all the wisdom to teach you how to do that. God's word has the wisdom on how to do that. And as people following Jesus at CA Students, that's what we want. And so I want to direct our attention to Colossians 3, verses 12 through 15. And the first four words are the most important. So let's pay attention. Since God chose you, since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. See, students, this is what I want to draw our attention to. How that passage started is since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, right? If that's true, if God has chosen us to be his people, then there are certain things we need to choose in order to live like his people, right? You see, at the, at the moment where Jesus died on the cross, it was set in stone. God loves you and God wants you. God made a way to be with you. What's not yet set in stone is what will you choose? God has chosen us to be the holy people that he loves. How will we choose to be living as those holy people that he loves? And so because God has chosen us just tonight, I want to call you to choose three things. As you have conversations with people, when feelings are hurt, how do we navigate those conversations in a way that we are drawn back together instead of split apart and hurt further? So that uh, if you haven't grabbed it yet, you can grab the handout from under your seat if you want to take some notes. Here's the first thing I want to call you to. You need to choose your source of stability. You need to choose your source of stability. Remember, how does this verse open, this passage? It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. See, students, listen to me. Everything starts with, are you going to be someone building your life on what God says about you or on what other people say about you? Because if you give people the power to make your day, you're at the same time giving people the power to break your day, right? If your day is going to be made by that person making that comment about you, by that person liking that post or including you, inviting you to that thing, if you give that power to someone else to make your day, then when they don't do that, when they fail with a pure heart or with a mean heart, you're broken. If you put all your eggs in that basket, you're going to be disappointed, but it's not just your day, it's your life. It's your identity. If you're basing your self-worth and whether or not you are okay based on what people are saying about you, how people perceive you, then see, students, you're giving people the power to disqualify you, to say that you're not important, to say that you don't make the cut, that you're not worth investing in, you're not worth being loved. You're giving people the power to break you. And see, students, this is not a doomsday prediction. This is just the Bible, and I think everyone's experience. People will fail you. The people that you love the most and who love you the most will fail you. It's because we're people that were broken by sin. We're being redeemed by God, but people will fail you. But see, students, God's love will never fail you. God's love is consistent. It's faithful. It's limitless. God won't change on you. He won't disappear on you. He won't abandon you. With, in God's kingdom, you're invited. In God's kingdom, you're included. In God's kingdom, you are precious to him. And if you allow that 
to be your source of stability, here's the secret. If you allow God to make you, then other people can still hurt you, but they can't break you. Because your sense of self, your stability is rooted in God. And that cannot be shaken. You have to answer the question, at the end of the day, what makes you okay? At the end of the day, you can say, yeah, this is hard, that sucks, that hurt me, but I'm okay. What makes you okay? Because if it's other people, hey, I love people, I'm a person, right? But we're all going to fail each other. That's not a good enough foundation for your hope, CA students. It needs to be in Jesus, in God. Because if you start with an identity that's rooted in God's love before human love, your heart and your identity is protected from human failure. Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you have the assurance and the safety of God's love and the power to respond to people in love. So that's the first choice. The second choice is this. Choose to tell the right story. Choose to tell the right story. Colossians 3 goes on, and it says, You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Listen to that. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Make allowance for each other's faults. Did you know that's basically the opposite of what the world does? Instead of making allowance for each other's faults, our culture says, Oh, they offended me? I'm going to keep track of that and cancel them, right? In God's kingdom, I, I, I already made allowance. I was expecting you to fail me. And I don't think poorly of you. I just think you're a human, right? And so I'm okay. There's grace budgeted for your, for your failure in my life. And I'm depending on the fact that you're budgeting that for me too, right? We need to anticipate and plan on the fact that others will hurt us, but they can't break us because we are rooted in God's love. So how do we prepare for that? We get ready to forgive, and we get ready to ask for forgiveness. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others as well. And see, students, at the end of the day, this comes down to the gospel, right? The gospel is that God loved me when I was a sinner, not when I was perfect. And while I was a sinner, he forgave me so that I could draw close to him again, instead of holding me at arm's length and proving to me how wrong I was. Instead, he initiated forgiveness to draw me close again. That's a model of what we are to aim for in our relationships. Our goal is not to point out to everyone the way they failed us and hold them at arm's length to be sure they really understand that. Our goal is to be like Christ and to start with forgiveness with the hope of drawing people close again. It's called reconciliation. And so generally when someone is hurt, it feels like the process has three steps, right? The facts, like what happened, then there's the feeling that I'm feeling and then the action that I take, usually silence or violence, right? And here's the thing. When we're operating under this assumption that this is the flow of what happened, then what we call the facts are like, they were trying to hurt my feelings. And what I want you to see is there's another step that happens. It's facts and then you tell a story and then you feel a feeling and then there's an action. What I mean is this, maybe someone made a joke and I felt like I was the butt of the joke. And in that moment, I'm going to tell a story. I'm either going to assume that they did that to make me look bad and them look good in front of all our friends, and then that's going to make me feel pretty bummed out, 
right? And then that's going to make me respond with probably trying to make a joke about them going to violence, right? Or just kind of bottling up and going to silence. See, students, listen to me loud and clear. You choose the story that you're going to tell about your friends and family. You choose the story. When you tell a story, you're adding meaning to the facts. You're, you're interpreting the facts of what happened, right? You're making a guess at the motive behind the behavior. And so what, naturally com- what comes naturally to us is to assume the worst, to think things like they did that on purpose. They, they always do that. They're so insensitive. They're so ignorant. They're so rude. They're so you fill in the blank, right? But instead of assuming the worst, what if we clothed ourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience? What if we made allowance for each other's faults and forgave anyone who offended us? Remember, God forgave us, so we must forgive others. What if instead of filling in the blank with the worst, what if we believed the best about each other? What if we said, when they made that joke, oh, they didn't mean that. What, what if we thought, oh, they must not have done that on purpose. They didn't know how that would hit me, right? They, they love me, so something else must be happening in this situation. Maybe they're feeling insecure. Maybe they're feeling hurt, and they're acting out of that. And we're going to believe the best about each other. You need to choose to tell the right story. And the last choice that you need to make, CA students, is choose to respond in truth and love. And I'm going to give you some really practical tools for how to do that. But first, that Colossians passage ends, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together. The goal is to be bound together again in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So once we believe the best, how do we respond in love? I want to be clear. What I'm not saying is you just have to pretend like your feelings aren't hurt and pretend like everything's fine. I'm not calling us to be a bunch of pretenders, right? What I am saying is once you choose to believe the right story, you become able to choose the right action. And you become able to respond in love. You have to remember what you want the most. In that moment where feelings are hurt, is what you want the most to have that zinger that puts them in place? Or do you want a loving relationship based on forgiveness and grace? What do you want the most? And pursue that in the conversation. You get to choose if you want to win a conversation or if you want to worship God by loving others. See, students, you can be right in an argument or you can be in a relationship. Because in moments that people feel hurt, they don't care if you're right, they care if you love them. And sometimes what that means is humbling yourself and believing the best about them. So I want to give you some tools to tell your story, right? When, when, when you're able to tell the right story, sometimes you're just able to let it go completely, right? Sometimes you don't need to have a conversation. You're just like, you know what? They didn't mean that. And you can let it go and everything can be fine. But other times when it's a deep hurt or it's a repeated hurt, it's important to have a calm, loving conversation about it. And so, on the handout, there's person one and person two. In different situations, you're going to be the one who had your feelings hurt, and in other times, you're going to be the one that accidentally hurts someone's feelings. And so, I, I put both of these on here to be a tool for you guys, and I just want to encourage you. A lot of this stuff came from counseling that I've been in, <laughs> and I just want to 
for like the first several years of my marriage with Kayla, we had this written out and we treated it like an open note test, right? Whenever we had conversations that we needed to navigate lovingly and carefully, we used this script. And so I want to encourage you to use it the same way, right? While in the process that this is becoming natural to you, treat it like an open note test and use this, right? And so first of all, person one, I want to encourage you guys to have the conversation this way. When you said or did blank and you fill in the facts, when you made that joke, when you said this, it makes me think that you, and you fill in the story that came into your head. It makes me think that you wanted me to look dumb in front of everyone and you wanted to look cool in front of everyone. And that makes me feel really discouraged. That makes me feel like you don't prioritize our friendship. That makes me feel like you would rather look cool in front of our friends than make me be encouraged. Now here's the core part. I don't actually think that's your intention. I don't think that's who you are. So can you help me understand where you're coming from? Right? That's choosing to believe the best, choosing to tell the right story. Right? And it's inviting someone into conversation instead of saying, you said this, get out of here. Notice, you have to distinguish the facts in the story. If you just said, when you made me, when you made me feel dumb in front of everyone so that you could look cool, that made me feel bad. That's not what we're doing. You're naming the facts and then the story that it made you think. You're parsing those out so that they can respond to what they did. And then person two, which sometimes this is going to be you, other times it's not. I want to encourage you to follow this progression. First, you reflect. You say, what I'm hearing you say is, and you fill in the blank. It's important that you allow for correction because sometimes person two is the one that allegedly did something wrong. And it's easy to become defensive, right? And it's easy to say like, oh, no, I didn't do that, blah, blah, blah. Instead, to slow down and say, what I'm hearing you say is this, right? And that slowing down is an act of love. And allow yourself to be corrected to what is actually being said. Second, you empathize. You say, it makes sense that you would feel that way. Like, I can see, because of what I said or did, why you're feeling that. You empathize. You connect. And then finally, you finish with reassuring. Reassuring. You say, I am so sorry. And, and you speak the truth. I never want to make you feel that way. Is there anything else you need to say or anything else you need to hear from me? And then sometimes the conversation will continue and you'll switch roles, right? It's like, well, I, I just want you to know that when you said this, it made me think this and feel this. And then, but what this is doing is it's drawing people back together again through grace, through forgiveness, and through love. And so I'm encouraging you, CA students, take this and use this as a cheat sheet. Whenever you need to have a conversation with friends or family, use this because this is what we find in God's word in Colossians 2. You need to choose your source of stability. Let God be the one who makes you. Other people can hurt you, but they can't break you. Choose to tell the right story. We have a moment to interpret people's words and actions, and you can choose to believe the best instead of assume the worst. And finally, choose to respond in truth and love. Instead of going to silence or to violence, you can calmly and lovingly bring up the issue and begin reconciling. CA students, just as we close, I just want you to know, pastors, when we, when we share this stuff from you from God's word, 
at the end of the day, I'm not telling this to you so that you can take notes. I'm telling this to you so that you can take action. What matters the most is not a head full of the right answers. What matters the most is a heart full of courage and love that's willing to obey God and do the right things. And so we're a family that's learning how to do that together. When you see someone doing this, encourage them, right? Respond in grace and generosity, and let's go after this together. Amen? God, help us to be people of truth and love. God, I pray that you would just, God, would you, in your kindness and in your grace, give us a speed bump. When, when something hurts us, give us just a Holy Spirit moment to slow down, to tell the right story, and to step into reconciliation and truth and love. That's an act of your spirit. We're dependent on you to do that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.